Hello and hi everyone. Welcome along to Definitive Breaks. I'm Tina and you're tuned in to Radio Karam. On today's show, I'm super excited to be speaking with the award-winning Americana singer Matt Jogau, who is a Melbourne-based New Zealand-born artist, songwriter and producer, here to talk about his latest record, Between Tonight and Tomorrow. Welcome to the show, Matt. How are you? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. It's a sunny day back here in Melbourne. Uh, in the you know in winter, that's always a beautiful thing to have the sun out. So I'm just uh, just been working on some uh, material from some of the artists that I'm producing. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! So you're back in Melbourne. You you haven't stopped touring, playing and recording music, being constantly yeah. on the go. Yeah, I just spent I think two and a half months touring in New Zealand. So that was wonderful. But it's good to get back here and. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Have a tour on the cards now through Victoria and uh, South Australia. Oh, that's exciting! So, first of all, congrats on your new album. Um, this be- between tonight and tomorrow. This was released in March. It's a pretty authentic, magnificent piece of work, um, and it's been having a lot of airplay. Um, it's your third album, and it's quite raw and heartfelt. How did it all come together? Well. Gee, uh, it's well, thanks for that. I appreciate it very much. Um, it, it feels like I've covered so much ground, and it, yeah, it only came out a few months ago. Mm-hmm. I realised, but uh, it, I guess, to answer your question, it was conceived a couple years ago, sort of near the start of COVID, mm-hmm. and what it was, it was mixed and created in a slightly different way to my other albums. Uh, because there was all that isolation that we were obviously suffering in Melbourne. So the downside was I wasn't able to spend as much time with my band in terms of the creation, but mm-hmm. it could take a lot of that time to really reflect on the songs, really give the songs what I felt they needed. Uh, so ultimately I think we made a, a better album for it, uh, but and an album that hopefully I won't recreate those conditions but due to those conditions we I made a really introspective uh, record and a record that I had a lot of time to sit back and reflect on and make sure I got it right before I released it yes it's a, it's a quite personal album like it touches on death yeah. rebirth yeah it's mm-hmm. it's quite raw um, can I ask you um, for those who don't know because we're you're an Americana singer. Can you be please describe what Americana music is and how did it start? Yeah, sure. I mean, it, it's interesting. Like terms like that, they become they're in vogue, and then they're not. Like ten years ago, I was called an alternative country artist. Mm-hmm. Maybe ten years before that, if I'd been around, it would have been a country artist. I don't know. But right now, the term is Americana. For me, it. That term incorporates a lot of traditional, what are considered American uh, traditional forms of music, and it's an amalgamation of them. Certainly my music is, so it's soul music, uh, country music, Uh blues, folk, jazz. If you incorporate any number of those together, I feel it becomes Americana music. Some people find the term synonymous with alternative country uh, which is country, but with a sort of what was an outlaw edge or a more so. There's different styles edge. of America Americana. Yeah, oh, definitely, because it depends how much of 
one genre you decide to put in the mix. So you could be like 70% folk band, 30% country band, and then you're an Americana band. You could be 50% blues, 20% soul, you know, 30% country, and then you're an Americana band as well. So it's quite a varied scale. Mm-hmm. Uh, like if I was to use artists, you could put Bob Dylan certainly firmly in the Americana mm-hmm. uh, band camp. He is was a folk artist initially, but then, as we all know, he sort of had country albums like Nashville Skyline. Mm-hmm. Uh, 80s work with Daniel Anwar is, is, has some of those elements, but is also ethereal. So, you know, he spans a lot, but I'd probably put him in the Americana field along with Tom Petty. Mm-hmm. And then along with Owen Burns uh, in the space like Gillian Welsh and Ryan Adams and mm-hmm. people like that. So the um, style of genre has grown I now. would say... Incorporate if it's Americana, I'd say it incorporates a lot of artists now. Yeah, from yeah. Oh, you, wow. you could even, you could put the Eagles in there. Okay. So yeah. Okay, so going back to your album, how did you come up with the title of the album? Well, between tonight and tomorrow is the title track, uh, and I thought that that was mm-hmm. that in particular was the centerpiece of the record in terms of its themes of. It's themes of uh, there's there's hope. It's bittersweet, but mm-hmm. it's also sad, mm-hmm. loss. Um, there's introspection, um, and there's a sort of desolation in in the in the lyrics. Um, I felt that was at the center theme of the record of someone who's lived a bit, who's lost it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think feel to to listeners who've uh, who've lived a little. And that was that because that's the title track. I felt that that was um, that was the, the the a good song and a good way to mm-hmm. present the album. Yeah. So I gave the album the same title, uh, and I think between tonight and tomorrow, it can conjure uh, ideas of late at night and whatever it is that comes to you and that you're struggling with. Maybe it's that, or maybe it's that point. Uh, in the middle of the night where you where you're on your own and you maybe lose track of mm-hmm. time so maybe it has it I felt that the title could mean different things to different people and I, I mm-hmm. always like that yes yeah it's um yeah it, it's a beautiful album um my personal favorite song on the album is till my whole heart bursts um what can you tell me about this song before we launch into it it's a great song i love it well thank you that that <laughs> song was the second single it's probably my favorite type of sound i really like songs that sound like mm. this and i wanted to, it's a very like happy song yeah i love songs that get your foot tapping yeah but there is again an introspection to the lyrics like i do it 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 correlates to the theme. I talk about um, rebirth and and the struggle. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, lyrically, it's uh, uh, through the door and we're born. So I, I literally use the, the lines mm-hmm. uh, of rebirth. Yeah. And I talk about, um, you know, maybe I love you till my whole heart bursts. So mm-hmm. I'll hold on to this. If it kills me is is the idea behind it, and I actually wrote it for someone. Did it you? It was one of the few songs I wrote for someone. Yeah, she she wanted a song, and I wrote her a song. Oh, so. that's so nice. 
It was it was nice, you know. I don't know if she knows that anymore or she even remembers it because we're not together anymore. But uh-huh. once time, that song was for someone, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's lovely. Lovely and meaningful. All right, well, let's launch into it. Hi, this is Matt Joe Gale, and you're listening to Radio Karam, which is local community internet radio. And uh, we were having a chat about community radio earlier and how important it is to Melbourne, how important it is to the scene here, the music scene, but also the wider community. So check out Radio Karam, tune in. Oh, gosh, that was such a great song. I love that song. Um, I've got it rotating now, so I like having it on my playlist. Um, so, um, you're an experienced songwriter and have uh, had a long relationship with songwriting. When you're writing music, I know you answered this question earlier, do you always, you know, write about personal stories or do you, any of your travels inspire you to write new material? Uh, everything inspires me. Mm -hmm. I think life inspires me. I try to channel as much of my experience through my songwriting if I was just writing about one particular aspect of life, I probably would have run out a long time ago. So I try to write about as much as I can. Obviously, there are themes that connect with me. I think they connect with my listeners. So I touch on certain themes more often. And certainly, if I'm trying to put together a body of work, I try to have songs resemble each other in some way whilst offering something different. Mm-hmm. Um, saying that's something I've been talking about with a couple artists I'm producing is that uh, I feel it's important as a songwriter to have the ability to write third person. I think if you just write from a first person autobiographical uh, place, uh, perhaps as some sort of cathartic release for you, that maybe help you from a mental health point of view, but it gets pretty boring after one album or even on one album. So I think it's good to mix in uh, some third-person writing from mm-hmm. different experience, experiences and change your protagonist. Uh, otherwise, you just end up singing about the same thing. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Unless you've got the most exciting life in the world. Yeah. <laughs> but yep. few of us don't, you know. Met, you know, we've had a heart broken a few times and lost a few people. But yes. Yeah. You've got to go to other places eventually. Yes, that's right. It's not like you're sitting there with a notebook and, and I, an idea will just pop up, pop up. You'll think of something and quickly note it down. Um, I, tr- I tend to write from a melodic point of view first mm-hmm. and chord progression first and then I will write about what, what comes to me, what I think I haven't touched on before, mm-hmm. maybe an interesting uh, yeah. I've really enjoyed writing recently. And what that's afforded me is the opportunity to take an idea that's already somewhat formed and then take it in a direction that I like or offer that idea. Um, perhaps it needs a hook. Perhaps it needs more visceral elements. Perhaps it needs to be clearer on what it's emotionally trying to put across. So I yeah. like to be able to, I like to write to a brief these days. I really enjoy it, mm-hmm. like, like specific brief. I find uh, I'm pretty good at it. So I actually like that direction when I'm writing. Mm, so on a whole, uh, are you pleased with your new album? Like the, the album has so many heartful layers to it. Yeah, yeah. I think for me, I think it's my most personal record. I know that's ironic mm-hmm. considering I just talked about writing from 
third person, which I certainly do even on this record, but I think it's it's uh, it's been good to uh, express a lot of the things that I had wanted to talk about. Um, it's uh, a few albums. It's actually my fourth album. So it's my yeah, fourth so I was album just going to say that. It's your fourth album. So ha- have your songs changed over the years at all? Like, has, has there been any new significant changes to this album compared to your previous albums? Yeah, definitely. I try to not write the same album twice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think from a sonic, melodic point of view, if you wanted to keep it really simple, I think on my second to third album, I started to incorporate more bluesy soul elements. And I think they really started to come through on Break, Rail and Roll, my third album. And then on this one, songs like Sweet Collapse, I think you can hear that sort of southern gospel mm-hmm. uh, element mixed in with the country, which comes back to what you said, that's Americana. Mm. You, know, you can the freedom to mix in as much soul as you want with the country is is a wonderful thing. It keeps you able to be diverse whilst also being coherent mm-hmm. in, as an artist. So for me, I think on the later records, I incorporated more soul, more blues. I think on my first album, people didn't know what alternative country was, in Australia, uh, it was even more boutique than it is now. So mm-hmm. I wanted to write a really coherent record of 11 songs that just sound like this is an old country artist playing my acoustic thing. And it was very limited, but I did that intentionally. Now, I think on my third album, Break Around and Roll, I was really diverse. I had an 11 piece band on some songs. Uh-huh. Some songs, Ransom, are just full soul songs. Some songs are almost rock. Uh, Stonesy, like um, Lovesick Child and mm-hmm. House That Burned Down is a blues song. So I think I really expanded what I felt Americana could be. So I think to answer your question on Between Tonight and Tomorrow, the new record, I tried to come back to that coherence and make it sound more like one guy with a guitar with a lyrical theme and then as little and as, as stripped back a band as I could mm-hmm. possibly put on the record to still get the ideas across uh, with some variations. Mm. So that's what's behind this record. And, and like you said, it's a very ragged, mm. uh, stripped back and introspective record. Um, and that, that's what I wanted. So I think it's uh, it's probably the record I'm most proud of, to be honest. Yeah. On your third album, uh, Break, Rattle and Roll, the song you just mentioned, House That Burnt Down, is that a true story? I just... What's that about? Uh, yeah, because I like the title. Some of it. Um, I had, I've had two houses that were destroyed. Um, really? Yeah, oh, that's awful. Story. Okay. Oh, <laughs> well, I've lived many awful things. I tell you. So again, it's uh, it's partially, um, partially uh, first person, and then some of it is from is imagined, mm-hmm. but. Interestingly enough, for anyone who's listening, you know, I mean, I try not to promote Spotify and things like that too much, but if you go onto Spotify or Bandcamp, my Bandcamp, you'll hear that I actually did a Delta Blues version of that song. Okay. Just after the first album with Bill Chambers, Casey Chambers' father. Mm-hmm. So I was in his and we made a Delta Blues version. Well, we made yeah. the original, House Down, okay. which is why on the Break, Rattle, and Roll album, I'd been touring, I'd been adding that to my set list with my band and people would say, where's that song, House That Burned Down? I'd say, well, it's 
I've, I did a little Delta Blues version. They go, oh, I want the version with your band. And oh. It doesn't exist. Okay. So that's why I recorded House That Burned Down, and that's why it's actually called House That Burned Down Reprise. Okay. It's a reprise of my own song. And I always wanted to do a reprise. So uh-huh. I saw Jimi Hendrix. I need a reprise. So <laughs> I try to tick as many of these homage boxes as I can. Um, okay. I have House That Burned Down Reprise. Uh, Sweet Collapse is a sequel to Georgia Rose. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do lots of little things for the for the listeners, you know, for the fans. There is a, a, a on your latest album, New York, June, July. What's that about? Mm. I like that um, song too. <laughs> it's cool that you called it New York, June, July because the acronym is NYJJ. Yeah, for yeah. Anyone who's got the record, so you've obviously worked out that mm. it is yeah. an acronym, New York, uh, June, July. I wrote that for a friend. Okay. And he was in a relationship that he that they had their problems mm. and. Uh, they were going to New York together on a holiday amidst those problems and um, with his permission I sort of took some of the ideas mm-hmm. and concepts. He, do, you, do you always ask permission? Uh, I do if I'm writing like quite specifically okay. and I certainly ask, I ask permission if I can play the song live when I toured back through his hometown because mm-hmm. I know I'm cool for him to hear because the relationship didn't work and uh, you can kind of hear that in the song mm-hmm. when I say I just I can't shake it. Yeah. Um, and, but, you know, there's hope in that chorus where it's like we'll leave off now uh, for New York, June, July, you know, somewhere warm, maybe we'll be right. Mm. And I think, but I think as a listener you can kind of hear it's not going to work. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. You, I know. That's so Kind of how I saw it for him. I'm like, it gets you yeah, thinking you know, about the song. You're thinking, oh, where does this song come from? And well, inter- yeah, and interestingly enough, that song does really well live. I wasn't sure because it's slower, back tempo, mm-hmm. but uh, that and sonically that was inspired by sort of Exile on Main Street, Rolling Stones, that sort of country mm-hmm. swagger. That that riff that opens it. Uh, and that's Love two it. guitars. I wanted that to sound like Keith and Ronnie kind of playing it loosely together but not the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was really quite inspired by the Stones, that one, which is obviously a big inspiration for me and one of my mother's mm-hmm. favourite bands. Oh, lovely, lovely. Um, so um, we're going to launch into another song. I love Sweet Collapse. I have to play this. Um, sure. Let's go. <laughs> Hi, I'm Fiona Lee Maynard and you're listening to Radio Carum, which is what I do whenever I'm anywhere near Seaford Carum High School and Eel Race Road. Hello, we're back here. So, Matt, you've just um, wrapped up your huge tour in your own homeland in New Zealand, your Heart of Gold New Zealand tour with Karen Fields. I hear it's been very well received. Did you enjoy playing back in your hometown? Yeah, I guess my hometown's uh, Dunedin, yes. uh, South New Zealand, and uh, we had a great show there. It was sold out. Uh, most of our tour was sold out, which was a really wonderful surprise considering the current uh, climate, uh, recession, etc., and people are not going out as much. So we've seen a lot of show cancellations from various friends. We were mm-hmm. uh, just 
before the tour and we weren't quite sure how it would go. So we were really thankful for the turnouts in New Zealand as we have been for the turnouts that we've had um, briefly here in Australia before we headed over. And I think that show in Dunedin was, was very special. We launched a new venue uh, and hopefully that venue continues uh, to go on. And um, yeah, it was, it was wonderful. Everything about the tour was really good. It was a hard tour, but it was a lot of shows, but it yes. was a great time. So, okay. And so talking about um, the wonderful and tal- talented Karen Fields, um, did you know each other before you started creating music? Yeah, I mean, we've known each other for a little while and we obviously bond on our background. She's from the North Island, I'm from the South. Uh-huh. Uh, when you look at it objectively, we're two Americana artists from New Zealand in Melbourne yes. releasing out. I mean, that's not, it's not many, I can put many people in that camp. So we obviously have that bond. But outside of that, we just really connected. She's a wonderful soul. We became great friends. Uh-huh. Uh, she's talented. She's inspirational. She works really hard. So those are all the things I look for uh, in, in a collaborator and, and mm-hmm. a friend that's been great working with her. Yeah. The song, Your Heart of Gold, it's beautifully made. Um, um, the song is there a whole album coming soon yeah yeah we have that's our first single we'll have a second single in a couple months um and then the album to follow next year that'll be our debut as the project matt joe gow and karen fields wow. that'll be our what is it as a duo uh project and it'll be an all acoustic sort of appalachian americana record which i'm really excited about we started recording it uh, and hopefully we'll finish that in a couple of months. I just recently saw the video clip. Um, is that shot on Super 8 film? It's a great it's shot clip. on a 90s, 90s handy cam, so yeah. similar. I had one we of those. <laughs> yeah, that. I've shot on Super 8. I shot my video for I Let You Be on Super 8. Break, Rattle and Roll was shot on Super 8. Uh-huh. And um, I shot something else on Super 8, but... I, this one we went with the handy cam footage that I shot between tonight and tomorrow on. I just really liked it. And we took that camera on tour with us and we shot on tour. And Karen did some wonderful editing on tour. And so we sort of released it whilst we're in the moment of uh, touring. Yeah, it has this gritty, nostalgic, you know, picturesque feel to it. It's really nice. Yeah. It's beautiful. And beautiful landscapes. Yeah. And um, was, yeah. it, was that all filmed in New Zealand as well? It was. It was. Oh, actually, there's a little bit filmed in Australia too. Uh, we're cruising around in a uh, in an old '60s VW, and, and and some of those shots were in Australia. Some of the op shots were in Australia. Oh. We just sort of camera with us uh-huh. in the studio studios in Australia as well. So it's it's Australia and New Zealand, but most of the landscape, the shots up on the Bay of Islands, us overlooking the ocean and the sun. That's uh, that's New Zealand. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Um, so you mentioned um, your mother a lot. Did she um, have an effect um, with you musically? Yeah, massive, massive. She had an effect in every way. Uh, she was my driving uh, influence mm-hmm. in becoming musician. She started me very young, influenced by her records, which I now own. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was uh, very supportive, which I think is important for parents in general, but mm-hmm. uh, certainly in terms of music, she always uh, 
instilled the belief that I could that I could uh, pursue this as a career. So uh, she was right, and uh, eternally grateful for for that support. Mm. Mm. And what type of music were you listening to when you were growing up? I mean, she had everything, but she was uh, quite into the blues. She had BB King, Johnny mm-hmm. Booker, and uh, I think the first record I bought her was a BB King record. She obviously big on uh, Eric Clapton, and then she was a massive Beatles fan. She saw them live. Mm-hmm. John, wow. Uh, um, the Stones, Springsteen, Tom Petty, Travelling Wilburys. So, yeah, she had great taste, and uh, and I think There you go, it rubbed off. Have been have gone on to be time albums, yeah. Mm. So I know you like playing a lot of instruments. Um, what was the first instrument you you picked up? Uh, it was the piano. At about five, I started piano lessons. Wow! And started my journey. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That young. Long time. And then and then what? How did you switch to guitar? Oh, well, I started guitar at about thirteen, and uh-huh. I wanted to be in a band. Uh-huh. Uh, and that was my entrance into playing in a band. So mm-hmm. that was, uh, that's what sort of started me. And I was singing in a band first at 13, I think guitar, like 13, 14. And from there it became my number one sort of songwriting tool. But I'd been playing drums and harmonica for a bit by that point. I see you're quite yeah. fond of the tambourine. <laughs> I am, yeah. Percussion's my thing. Like if you listen to any of my records, wherever that tambo or shaker comes in that uh-huh. was meticulous, calculated, and uh, I love a tambourine. Yeah, and I play it in uh, your heart of gold. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I love it. I love it. Um, I love a tambourine too. Um, so we're gonna listen to your heart of gold now. Yeah, I, I love this song. Hello, my name is Dave Graney. I am an underworld musician of many years standing. I'm here to ask you to tune into my fellow traveller, my comrade, Radio Caram. So you've um, played overseas a lot. Can I ask, mm. what's it like playing to an American audience compared to an Australian audience? Well, I haven't played in America in a while. I was meant to be over there for 2020 and then COVID happened. So it's been so long since i played yeah. far overseas. Uh, although in saying that, I am planning to be there next year. Uh-huh. Yes, um, and I really look forward to getting back in front of some overseas audiences. Obviously, played New Zealand, which is overseas, but yes. more similar to Australia in that in that respect. But um, I think we're hoping to get over to the states in the first half of next year. Yeah. Okay, okay. And I wanted to ask you: Are you still playing with the Dead Leaves? Well, yeah. It's, so it's Matt Jogow and the Dead Leaves. Yes, yes. Band. Um, and although the album is titled Matt Joe Gao, mm-hmm. the deadly feature on all my records, mm. um, it's titled Matt Joe Gao and the Dead Leaves on the first album. And then I think on seven years, I put no title on the cover of the CD because maybe I was being, uh, uh a little bit difficult, who knows, but then break around and roll. Yep. I titled it Matt Gao because it was easier for me then to have the freedom uh, of using whatever instrumentation I want mm-hmm. uh, be saddled to a particular band because uh, I, I used a lot of guest um, vocalists and guest instrumentation. But the Dead Leaves have 
stuck by me. I have a few core members, Katya Harrop, who sings on every record apart from the first one, Andrew Pollock, who co-produces the record and is the guitarist and backing mm -hmm. vocalist. Uh, drummer Daniel's been there a long time. Rob's been there a long time. So the Dead Leaves is still very much a thing. I think mm -hmm. what Matt Joe allows me to do is I can be Matt Joe Gow and Karen Fields. Yes. And that's just me. And then I can play a festival as Matt Joe Gow and the Dead Leaves. And you know you're going to get the material from Break Round and Roll and Between Tonight and Tomorrow. So hopefully that that will become more refined and more obvious to my followers. Um, mm -hmm. You've been together for a oh, while. What's that? You've been together for a while, since 2009. Yeah, we have. Yeah, like 14 years, 13 years or something. So, and where did you time. all meet? Here in Melbourne. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, Katya is Andy's cousin, so that's easy. Mm -hmm. And Rob, my bass player and, and myself, a childhood friend. When I say childhood friends, he's, he's a fair bit older than us. So when I was a teenager, he was producing us. He was like managing music stores and producing us. So then he moved over from New Zealand to uh, Australia and he became our bass player when we had um, uh, a lineup change. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I've been with him a long time and, and we're wonderful friends, which is why we still work as a, as a unit. It's great. You've got that wonderful connection. Oh, wow. Mm. So I see you've toured and supported some amazing acts in the past, such as Chris Isaac, the Jayhawks, you know, the late Justin Townsell, you know, many, many people, James Rand, Casey Chambers. Um, what, what, that's so impressive. So what are some of the highlights of touring with these well, musicians? I think – well, one of the great things is just you get a chance to see them in, in, in action and uh, watch them play and see how they interact mm -hmm. back with their crew and you sort of take from these legendary, iconic artists, mm. uh, you take what lessons you can. Uh, my main mentor and good friend, Grant Lee Phillips mm. of the band Grant Lee uh, a significant band in the 90s mm -hmm. from America. I've toured with him twice and we've gone on to be good friends and he remains uh, a mentor. Yes. To me, I learned a lot from him. They're just watching him play and just delving into his songwriting and asking him questions. And, mm -hmm. uh, so that's been a really rewarding uh, friendship and a rewarding aspect of uh, supporting uh, artists. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. So who who would you most like to collaborate with if you had the chance? Uh, yeah, interesting question. Um, collaborate with, uh, well, um, in regards to, like, wonderful artists, there are just, there are just too many to... Should I say dead or alive? <laughs> I mean, if it's... You know, Dead. I mean, I, I don't know if I'd even collaborate. I'd just sit there and and, uh, and ask them questions. I mean, obviously, you have dreams of working with artists, and I am inspired by artists. But I don't really. And it's I, I collaborate with so many artists, but at the moment, but I don't really uh, have any sort of dream collaborations. Uh, I just more inspired by you know people like. Um, 
Bob Dylan who are still out there mm-hmm. at a high level at 80, is it? Um, so I'll go to see their shows and just grab inspiration from it. In terms of collaborating, I mean, I'm open to collaborate with pretty much anyone I respect, you know, mm-hmm. anyone I admire, anyone I like listening to. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't really bother me who, if I have the time, I'm always open to it. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, outside of music, what do you do? <laughs> uh, not much. Right? Like, I haven't had time to do much lately. been on the road for two and a half months and yeah. then I got back a few days ago and I've been catching up on I'm producing a couple albums, mm. so I've been catching up on going over the songs. Uh, and then, you know, just simple things that people do. I like to walk in my neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like to get out into nature mm-hmm. when I can. Uh, I like, if it's summertime, I like to go swimming. So I think the things that I do tend to be uh, reset and meditative uh, mm-hmm. because when we're on you're just working constantly. You wake up. Where you are. And you what plane I'm getting on, what car, you know, where we're driving to, where's the venue, mm-hmm. what's the set list, who are the musicians, who who's the venue booker, what's the sound guy. Do you ever so get burnt out? Do you get burnt out? Well, I think I was probably, I've been touring since uh, January this year uh, without a break. I think I had one weekend off mm. and I released uh, between tonight and tomorrow on the weekend I wasn't playing shows so I don't reckon I've had a week off since January mm-hmm. uh, so I was much close to burning out I think but we were recharged because we had such a great tour um, I won a New Zealand Country Music Award that's the first time I've done that yes uh, congratulations sold out shows thank you we had a bunch of sold out shows if, I think if the shows were tough uh, and they weren't that busy and we weren't that well received, which can happen to any artist, can happen to great artists. Mm-hmm. Um, if that had happened, it, it would have been hard to be hard. It would have been really hard because it was hard even with this injection of energy uh, at six months of, of touring. So uh, right now I'm taking a couple weeks off shows mm-hmm. and then we'll launch back July 8th. We play St Kilda. George Lane, for anyone listening, that'll mm-hmm. be the first of our end dates. Yes. So grab your ticket from my website or online and uh, we'll start it all off again touring around uh, Melbourne, Victoria. Yes, I saw that you're playing um, the Bayview Country Art Club in Bitburn. Yeah, we play a little house concert down in uh, Bitburn, Bayview Country Arts Club, which is a beautiful little house concert that has had some wonderful artists. I played there once before. Okay. Uh, I think we're there August or July, uh-huh. July, or July, no, July. It's July nine. We play there. Yeah. I think. something like that. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> all our tickets and info's online. So um, lots of cool shows. Yeah. How can people um, find your music all through Bandcamp or your website? Yeah. If you Google Matt Joe Gow, um, and hopefully people can spell it Matt and then J O E space G O W. If you Google Matt Joe Gow music, yes. Uh, It'll come up, whether it's streaming or you want to support us by grabbing our vinyl or mm-hmm. grabbing our key, you can just go to my website or Bandcamp and you'll find out where to 
get our music. So we're on all services, so you'll be able to find us to have a listen. Lovely, lovely. Thank you for sharing all your amazing story with us. It's been a real treat, Matt, and thank you also for being like a, a great supporter of Radio Caram. Oh, I love it. We all enjoy talking to you. <laughs> and, uh, you know, definitely uh, happy to chat and uh, we'll talk further down the road when uh, maybe with Karen and I sometime, you know. so Definitely, yeah. definitely. Thanks for having us. Bye. All right. Bye.